Well, we're tremendously excited as a staff to have Jasmine uh, a part of our, of our team. Um, we've been praying and looking for ways to interact with our community, as Courtney and Dana have said, but uh, this is a direct way for us to do that, and so we're excited to be able to present her to you, as well as give you guys the opportunity to join in as we, as we start this thing. Well, uh, this past Sunday, um, my wife and I, in the evening, we sat down and we did a thing called a dream guide. If you're familiar with Jenny Allen, who uh, runs the IF Gathering and a women's conference, it's been incredible. We've offered it here in the spring the last several years. And so we sit down to do this dream guide. And one of the things that the dream guide has you do is it has you look back into the past year. And it has five different categories, emotional, relational, physical, spiritual, and then travel, like categories. And so you begin to look through all of these things and you figure out what was hard and difficult about the past year and you figure out what was good and fun and exciting about the past year and you talk about those things. And so, as you know, over the course of a year in a marriage relationship, forgiveness has to be extended and grace has to be extended and and love gets to be shared. And so it was an incredible time for us to be able to do that and to start 2023 kind of off on a, a solid foundation. And then you get to dream a little bit. In those same five categories, you get to go through those and say, hey, what does 2023 look like in our spiritual lives? What does 2023 look like in our relational lives? What does it look like for traveling and having fun and and being with friends? What does that look like for us? And so it was really fun for me to be able to see my wife's eyes just kind of light up, right? Because we're new parents, and so our eyes don't light up very often. They're usually half-closed. And so to see her eyes fully open, to see her tone of her voice be excited and ready for the new year was incredibly fun. And then I got to share, hey, this is the relationships that I'd like to start, or these are the relationships that I'd like to continue and, and help thrive. These are the places I'd like to go and things that I'd like to do. And I'm excited about this and what the Lord may be doing here. And so it was just an incredible time uh, for us. And so you leave that conversation excited. You leave that conversation ready to go for the next year. And then Monday morning rolls around, right? And you get back to work and you open your computer and there's emails that need to be responded to. There's projects that need to be started. There's projects that need to be finished. There's things that you need to do throughout the day. And then there's laundry to be done at home and there's dinner to be cooked. And then by nine o'clock on Monday evening, the things that were so much fun just 24 hours earlier, maybe are filled with a little bit of fear, that, that relationship that you are so excited about may be a little more broken than you thought. Maybe there's some anxiety in your heart and mind about that one thing that has to get done. And you're not sure if that thing can get done because if that thing doesn't get done, then that thing doesn't get done. If that doesn't get done, then that certainly won't happen. And joy is robbed from what was so much fun just a few hours before. And so I know what you're thinking right now, right? Not another message on anxiety and fear. Like, I can't take it. Like, please, Lord. Like, this is causing me anxiety to hear about another message on anxiety and fear. But I think the truth is that the reality of our lives is that our hope is not in the new year, but it's in the one who makes all things new. To, to, to be able to work with our fears and our anxieties with the Lord, the one who desires to protect us, to help us when we feel scared, when we feel anxious about things that we cannot control. I think we need to be reminded of the heavenly, our Heavenly Father's intentions for our lives this morning. To meet us in this moment, right where we are at, one week past the new year starting. 
and to be able to walk into 2023 with a little bit of some clear thinking. And so as we get to hear this morning, the Lord speaking directly to the nation of Israel. It's not Isaiah speaking for the Lord. This is the Lord directly speaking to the nation of Israel. He says, even though you've been disobedient, even though you're currently in captivity in Assyria or Babylon, that I intend to save you from the things that cause you fear and anxiety. That God has not forgotten them, that he has not started a new plan, he has not abandoned them, but he intends to use them for his purposes. He intends to give them strength to be able to deal with the situations that are tough in their life. Their role is to simply trust the promises of God are true. Here's what's also true. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. What is Paul saying? He's saying that the promises that God is making in Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10 to the Israelites several thousand years ago are promises that are true for us as a modern day believer. He says they're all the same. They are a promise of God. And what we know about the promises of God is that they will happen, that they come true. And so it's not let's look at the example of Israel and what God is speaking to Israel and how he helps them overcome fear and anxiety through his power. It's a belief statement for us that we can, through the power of the Holy Spirit, take on the commands and promises of God to remove fear and anxiety from our lives. And as a human being, you know that fear and anxiety are present, that they're a part of our lives regardless of whether we want them to be or not. But somehow I think, especially in the church, there's this weird twist that happens when we begin to start to talk about things like emotions and feelings that if somehow if you struggle with fear or anxiety, or as we talked about for Christmas, before Christmas, if you struggle with discouragement or you struggle with stress or you struggle with any of these emotions or feelings, that somehow you're less than in the body of Christ? That somehow you just have, don't have enough faith or enough strength or enough ability in your own? And so I just, I just want to declare that this morning, that that is a lie. That it is not true. That if you struggle with mental illness, you are not less than in the body of Christ. That if you struggle with fear and anxiety, you are not odd or different. We all struggle with it. We all wrestle with it. If we didn't, God wouldn't take time to address it in the text. And so how do the commands of God encourage us to deal with fear and anxiety as we trust God to care for us through all of life's challenges? All right, here you go. Isaiah 41, verse 10. That's where we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning. It'll be on the screen for you, or you can flip there. Isaiah 41, verse 10. This is a side note. This was the verse of the year for 2022 on the Bible app. Um, and it was actually most popular, or the most highlighted, most uh, saved verse in Ukraine of all countries. As they would search for things like, fear and stress and war in the Bible app. And what was really interesting, and I wasn't going to share this, but here we go anyway. This is your free, uh, free comment of the day. What was really interesting is in the beginning, they searched for all those things, stress and fear and war. And by the end of the year, they were searching for love. Stress, fear, war, God's truth, and now they're looking for love. 
It's an amazing thing what the power of the Lord is able to do in our most fearful of times. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And so let's address fear first. Right out of the gate, God says, fear not. And if the Bible commands, issues a command, it is for a specific purpose. And this command for us this morning, fear not, is based on a promise. What is the promise in Isaiah? Fear not for what? I am with you. That is the promise of God. Promises God is that He will go with us through whatever it may be. He tells the Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, of who they are to Him, as He says, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be His people, His treasured possession. And then He reminds them of what He has done to remove their fears in the past. He says, You may say to yourselves, These nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? But do not be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. You saw with your own eyes the great trials, the signs, the wonders, the mighty hand, and the outstretched arm with which the Lord your God brought you out. The Lord your God will do the same to all peoples that you now fear. The promise of God is that he has been with them and that he will always be with them. As Paul said, the promises of God in the Old Testament are the same promises for the modern day believer who finds himself caught in a situation that may be filled with fear. The Lord reminds us through Paul in Romans chapter 8, verse 38, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor heights nor depths nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, is our Lord. It reminds us that God is present at all times, not when it's convenient for Him, not when it's easy for Him, not when we want Him to be there. He is present in all times and in all situations. So I want you to take a second here, and I want you to think just real quick, what's the first thing that comes to mind when I say, what is a fear in your life right now? Just what is it? Just real quick. What is a fear in your life right now? I'll give you 10 seconds. What is a fear? What's something that you're struggling with right now? We're going to get real deep real quick. Anybody want to share that with us this morning? Anybody want to be bold and just proclaim it out? Go ahead, man. Finances. Anybody been fearful of that? Inflation? Anybody fearful now? Anybody else? Nobody else in the room has fears. Relationships. Okay. Health. What else? Let's do two more. School. Stole one off my list that I'm going to read in a second. Anybody else have any fears? Come on, y'all. Parents' health. It's good. What about how to care for aging parents? What about how to care for a grandmother that has, or a grandfather that has Alzheimer's or dementia? What about when chemo is needed? What about when surgery is necessary? 
What about applying for a new job? What about losing a spouse or a friend? Those are all situations and when fear becomes present. So when God calls you to be free from fear, he is not asking you to pull yourself up by your bootstraps or to white knuckle out some ability to overcome an emotion that has the ability to cripple us both mentally and physically and relationally. He's not asking you to just simply have faith in the face of fear. He gives us a reason to believe that his promises and commands are trustworthy. He gives us the support for the command. Do not fear. God says, fear not, because God is with me. He says, fear not, because God is my God. He says, fear not, because God will strengthen me. He says, fear not, because God will help me. He says, fear not, because God will uphold me. When I was little, my parents would go on these uh, planning retreats, and they would be the, the four partners at my dad's office, and then all of their spouses, and they would go to these really cool places um, around the country, and they would spend a little bit of time working, but I think they would probably spend more time playing, you know, because that's what you do. And so they would go on these retreats, and I remember as a kid, my grandma and grandpa, they would come and stay with my sister and I. And so as they would, the days would be getting closer that we would be, uh, my parents would be leaving, I would begin to get some fear in my heart, in my mind, and I begin to worry about what would happen to my parents. And if, if I worried about what would happen to my parents, then I also worried about what would happen to us if that thing happened to my parents. And so I remember one, one time that they were gone that I was downstairs in our guest bedroom crying, and my grandmother came down and, and found me, and, and she didn't say anything else other than she quoted Matthew 6 to me. In Matthew 6, Jesus is telling the people in the Sermon on the Mount, he says that if he cares for the lilies of the field and the birds of the air, that he clothes them and feeds them, how much more would he care for you? And then he says, do not worry, because who by worrying can add an extra hour to their life? He says, but instead of worrying, trust in the kingdom, trust in God's righteousness, trust in his love and grace and mercy for you. I remember in that moment, the faithful witness of my grandmother, that fear began to reside as I was reminded of the promises of God, that God was present with me in that moment, just as much as he is present with me in this current moment, that as much as he will be present with me in a future moment, that he desires to care and to comfort me. I think that's the most comforting phrase in the entire Bible, fear not, for I am with you. Because it carries with it the weight of God's perfect track record to care and protect for his people throughout human history. And so regardless of the situation that's causing fear to be present in your life, you can trust that God will be with you. He's not calling you to a life of fear, but rather freedom. And so don't sell yourself short that there's something that you did or that there will be something that you can do to keep the love of God. Because God loves you regardless of the state that he finds you in. Fear doesn't have to be part of your story, but peace can be as you remind yourself of the commands and promises of God. So God moves, he talks about fear and how we fear not because he is the Lord and the Lord is with us. And then he talks about anxiety. He says, do not anxiously look about you for I am your God. It's always been interesting to me how fear and anxiety are just seemingly intertwined. That They kind of play this dance with each other. The second command of God follows the same pattern of the first. He says, do not look anxiously about you, for I am your God. 
Anxiety is the feeling that you have when you feel uncertain about events that are about to happen or could possibly happen in the future. And so there's this well-known TV series that was on the air for several years on NBC called This Is Us. And This Is Us is one of my favorite shows ever. I don't usually watch like sitcom type materials, but this was such a real to life, real to emotions that we experience in this life show that it always drew my wife and I in every week. And in the show, there's two characters, Beth and Randall. They're a married couple and they have three daughters. And so Beth and Randall will constantly, I think they're like my spirit people, but Beth and Randall will constantly play this game. It's called the worst case scenario game. Right? And so they're constantly trying to figure out, okay, so if this happens, what is the worst thing that can happen based off of this? Right? Anybody else do this? Just me. Okay, cool. So anyway, I, I do this all the time, even to the point that I don't even realize it. So Lexus had a doctor's appointment in Little Rock last uh, Tuesday morning. And so Monday afternoon, I'm sitting in my office right over there, and without even recognizing it, I'm playing the worst case scenario game, right? And so I'm sitting there. And, and I'm like, okay, so I have to help her so that she can get out of the door on time because if she's five minutes late, then she'll have to speed. And if she has to speed, then she won't be able to avoid the deer that somehow jumps across the median into her car. And she has to swerve to miss the deer. And when she swerves to miss the deer, there's going to be a tanker truck filled with jet fuel next to her. And then she's going to crash into the tanker truck. And the tanker truck's going to crash them into the ditch. The tanker truck's going to blow up. I'm going to be left without a spouse and a kid. And then nobody's going to love me, Right? And that's the, that's the pattern that it goes. And I play this game constantly in my mind. You're like, you are crazy. And I'm like, yes, I know. I have a therapist. <laughs> okay? But we do it. Right? You've played this game. You've worried about things in the future that you cannot control. And we do it over and over. I won't speak for you. I do it over and over and over again. And I envision these catastrophic events that I only arrive at because my anxiety is led to build without restriction and there's no place for God in those thoughts as my thoughts run wild. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10.5 that we are to destroy arguments and every lofty opinion against the knowledge of God. To take every thought captive to obey Christ. When we let our minds roll through these worst-case scenarios, we create an argument in our mind that God is not in control and that we are. We, we make an accusation against a high and holy God, the sovereign of the universe, the creator of us, the creator of everything that we see. We make an accusation that he does not have us under his control. For me, that he does not have my wife under his control that he does not have my future peace and comfort and happiness under his control. And so I decide to take over. I decide to make an accusation, an argument against the Lord. James says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. He says, What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then advantages, it vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. The reality is, no matter how much we believe that we are in control, we are not. But we know the one who is in control. Proverbs says that a man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. God doesn't ask us to worry about the future. 
He simply wants us to enjoy his presence in the present. There's a term in the therapy world called isomorphic events. I also learned that it's a math term. So if you're a math major, we can talk about it later. But it's an isomorphic event. And to me, this sounds a lot like the words of Paul that we just read. To take every thought captive. To simply make time to be present with the Lord. As Josh and the band played just a minute ago, to abide with the Lord on a regular basis. To spend time with Him. Because we're all anxious. And we know it. Regardless of how it plays out in our lives, there are future events that we know we can't control and that makes us fearful. I had a friend earlier this week tell me that uh, there's no part of life that is without anxiety. She said if you're a parent, if you're a spouse, if you're an employer or an employee, if you're a student, literally any position or time or place or role that you fill can cause anxiety. She said the only two things that you can be and not be anxious are dead or a sociopath. Which I thought was really funny. We have no problem turning to God when the alarm bell is going off, when the world seems like it's crashing in on us. But what about in the seemingly insignificant moments? What about the taste and smell of your coffee? What about the joy of cooking dinner? What about Spotify playing as you drive to and from work? Watching the sun rise or set, noticing the sound of your feet hitting the pavement, the birds and the trees chirping as you go for a morning run. Cool breeze hitting your face. I firmly believe that sanctification happens in the insignificant moments as we make time to meet with our Savior, allowing Him to work on what is making us anxious or worried or fearful. It is in those moments that we stop looking anxiously about. We stop trying to control our lives and we rest in the one who does control our lives. We rest in what his plan is. We stay in that singular moment. Which gives us freedom from anxiety. God says, fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, for I am your God. Do not be anxious, because I care for you. And then he's going to offer two things that the Lord himself will do. Isaiah 41.10 He says, I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I remember as a kid, apparently this is like Tyler's childhood story times, but today. But I remember as a kid that my mom and my sister and I, we would go to the store in the evening, the grocery store, uh, because my parents both worked. And so the evening was the only time we had to go to the store. And so we would go in the store, we buy our groceries just like you normally do. We check out, we go out in the parking lot, we load them into the van. And I remember this particular night, my dad uh, was working late and he was going to meet us at the grocery store. And so as he's coming to the grocery store, he sees us in the parking lot and he pulls in the parking stall across from us. My mom and I are kind of quickly loading our groceries in the car. And about that same time, I hear the sound of a, a car engine that sounds like it's going really fast. You know, you can hear it coming from a little bit of ways away. And so I hear this car engine and I turn around and I see it entering the parking lot. And then I see it start to come down our same like aisle in the parking lot, still going really fast and kind of beginning to veer towards us, right? And all I can think of in that moment is that my sister, who's about two or three at this time, is sitting in the cart, strapped into the cart. 
And so the only thing I can think to do is grab the car and pull it out of the way as the car looks like it goes within inches of hitting her and me. And so I remember this happening and the guy pulling quickly into the parking stall. And what I didn't know yet is that my dad is already getting out of the car, right? He's seen the whole thing happen. And I just watch him just make this beeline towards this guy. There's nothing going to stop him, right? And his veins are popping out where I didn't know veins could pop out, right? And he gets up to this guy and the guy's just barely getting out of his car and my dad meets him. And they are like face to face. I mean, like you couldn't be any closer, And my dad doesn't yell and he doesn't scream at him. He doesn't curse or anything like that. He just gets right up into his face. And this guy just kind of begins to fold back onto the car. Right? And I'm sure he sells him something very nice. Like, hey, my family's over there. I'd really appreciate it if you would slow down in the parking lot next time because I don't want you to hurt them. You know, I'm sure that's exactly what he said. Something like that. And so this guy just folds onto the car. And then he comes over later and he's like offering us toys and to buy us groceries and I love you kids and I hope you have a great life. Just kidding, he didn't say any of that. But what was the moment that I had there? I realized in that moment that my father was willing to protect and defend his family at all costs. That the thing that he cared about the most would make him defend them the most. Isn't that true about our Heavenly Father? Surely I will strengthen you, says the Lord. Surely I will be with you, says the Lord. To protect us at all costs. As a kid, when the thing that scares you the most in that moment folds in the fear of the presence of your father, or you believe that your dad can beat up anybody in the room, there's an amazing stabilization, I think, that takes place in our hearts and our minds. This is the type of power that Jesus demonstrates in the book of Luke as he finds a man that is naked, chained up, and known for terrorizing the people of his town because he is demon-possessed. As this man sees Jesus, he cries out and he fell down before him and he said with a loud voice, What business do you have with me, Jesus? Son of the Most High God, I beg you, do not torment me. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. And they were begging him not to command them to go away into the abyss. Now there was a herd of many pigs feeding them, feeding there on the mountain. And the demons begged him to permit them to enter the pigs. And he gave them permission. And the demon came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. And the people came out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found a man from whom the demons had gone out sitting down at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they became frightened. Imagine that situation for a second. I had a mentor of mine. He says, feel the emotion of the text. Can you imagine that? A man that had been terrorizing you and your family for years? who's normally chained because he's so crazy? I mean, can you imagine that? And then another man shows up, and all of a sudden this guy's sitting there calm and quiet, and he has clothes on? Like, how crazy that must have been. How the people must have gone, what kind of power is this? Who can do this? This thing has terrorized us for years. It's made us fearful beyond imagination. 
Here's what I want you to notice. The things that terrorize us stand in terror of our Savior. Did you catch what he said? Have you, have you come at the... You're, you're, you're before you're supposed to be here, Jesus. He knows the power of Christ. He knows the power of the Lord in that moment. This is the same real power that God desires to give to the believer through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This is the power that set the galaxy in place, that places foreign armies in flight. It's the same power that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is the Lord. That this type of power is the Lord's and the Lord's alone. There's so much fear in the world right now, so much anxiety in the world right now. Ben Stewart, who's a pastor with Passion City Church in Washington, D.C., says the antidote for your anxiety is the authority of your Father God. The antidote. The thing that takes away the poison of our anxiety, the thing that causes us to make lofty arguments, to create positions against the God of the universe that says that he is not controlled, the thing that removes that from our lives is the authority and the presence of our God. And as a believer in Christ, you have the ability to meet with the authority of God. You have the ability to meet with the goodness of God, the graciousness of God, the power of God is yours through the power of the Holy Spirit. The world is scared. And as we rest in the power of our Father, it will grant us peace that the world needs to see in us. They need to see that though the mountains may crumble and the seas roar, that the Lord's people, they won't fear. Why? Because the most powerful in the room, the most powerful one in the room knows your name. And he desires to protect you. He desires to pick you up with his righteous right hand and to carry you all the way home. Let's take it home this morning. God's desire for us is to live a life free of fear and anxiousness. Not by picking ourselves up by our bootstraps, but rather through reminding ourselves of his promises as we are obedient to his commands. By taking the insignificant, small moments of our lives and allowing us to interact with the Lord in those moments. By abiding with him, by spending time with him. Allowing him to reshape our minds and our thoughts and our ideas, allowing him to destroy every argument, every accusation that we make against him so we can live a life free of fear and anxiety. He's not asking us to do it. He's just simply asking us to trust him, to spend time with him. And so as you plan for the near year, spend some time intentionally meeting with the Lord to allow him to reveal himself in the ordinary and the mundane as you make time to meet with your Savior, which I believe will lead you to life. Let your God be your God. Let him be your strength, your help, your joy. As he walks with you and carries you by his righteous right hand all the way home. That's the command and the promise of the Lord. And that command and promise is something that he strengthens us to do day in and day out as long as we are on this earth. Let's stand and sing our last song.
I need more of you and less of me, Lord. That's all I need. And that can be true for all of us. The Lord is offering that to us this morning. There's communion down here in front if you'd like to partake in that. Myself and our elders will be up here as well. If you would like to have prayer or talk to somebody about something that has happened in your life, we would absolutely love to be able to talk with you. So don't be afraid of coming up. You guys know what to do from here. Go love first. Have a great week of worship. We'll see you next week.